0: There are so many things now that can be used to um, optimize that cycle everything from things like red light therapy which everybody can do to which works like on cytochrome oxidase uh, you can use things like um, a product called again Matsi. i keep bringing it up hi
1: friends in this week's episode i am welcoming back Dr. Neil Paulvin to the show. My last interview with Dr. Paulvin was hugely popular where we talked all about the best peptide stacks for fat loss, muscle gain, pain relief, and longevity. And in today's interview, we take a deep dive into the latest longevity science and the transformational therapies and other biohacks, including things like spermidine, urolithin A, peptides like BPC-157, how to optimize NAD, and a whole lot more. So without further delay, let's dive in. So I'm back today with Dr. Neil Paulvin. I'm so excited to have you back on the show. Last time we recorded together, it was hugely popular. I know that you have been foraying into even more things to do with regenerative medicine since we last spoke. Um, firstly, a very warm welcome to the show. Oh,
0: Thanks for having me again. Glad to be back.
1: Yeah, exciting to have you here. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about what's kind of new. You 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 share a lot of content on your Instagram, uh, a lot of the latest kind of scientific research. One thing that took my eye recently was you sharing some some research around rapamycin and how it's being studied um, to improve ovarian reserve and also potentially slow down aging. I think this is a big thing for many women, um, you know, a lot of women are having their first child later, but certainly uh, many women are looking to add to their families in their late 40s, uh, mid to late 40s. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and how it might uh, impact women and improve fertility for longer?
0: Sure, yeah. I mean, rapamycin was initially founded as just a a cancer immunosuppressant at higher doses. Um multiple years ago. And now it's become pretty much in vogue for a lot of quote unquote biohackers who are just trying to, in theory, prolong um life, improve longevity. Um, and then as their people were using it, and they were com- research went in specifically in terms of rapamycin aging, and also that kind of now linked in with this, this is such a huge investment now in trying to improve female. Um, the, the duration that females can have children um, that we're the only you, animals out there. we only we're, females can only reproduce for probably less than half their lifetimes. So a lot of research has been going to that. That's now kind of meshed with what the research was with the longevity part of rapamycin. And now there are uh, studies being done at a, a institute here in New York city um, where we're using it to help fertility. Um, and that's, that works out of a couple of different ways. So first of all, because of its anti-inflammatory and, and its effects on autophagy, which is the body's ability to kind of recycle its own cells, get rid of the garbage, that may be part of the... Um, they're now finding that mitochondrial and autophagy is maybe one of the causes that was never really treated for women not being able to come pregnant or maintain good egg quality or both. So that became kind of the initial um, entry into that. And now we're also finding that it may help um, initiate the body's ability to produce eggs and they improve the egg quality and also improve how quickly and the quality of how well the egg matures. So it's working on numerous levels. Um, Right now it's being used, I think the study is about 50 women now who are waiting for an egg donor um, who just can't produce quality eggs. Um, I know there are some patients have used it on the kind of behind the scenes, and it's produced set really good results. Um, the goal now is try to, trying to figure out the appropriate dosing. And is this something that is going to really develop into something that's, that could be used for a lot of women worldwide in terms of who are dealing with infertility? It has, based on the science that's underlying it, it looks to have great potential. Again, we're really just trying to figure out the dosing and, and how often a woman would take it. Um, but it's something that is a really huge excitement right now in the medical and fertility world
1: for sure for sure and um obviously you're talking there about it improving uh quality for example can it impact the number of, of, of eggs in any way? I know that there there used to be a theory around the fact that that was fixed originally in number um what, what what's the research showing
0: there? I mean it, that's that's very limited now we're, this is the First, one of the first major studies of repromycin and egg production in humans. It's in other animals. It has um, improved egg um, uh, egg number. Um, hopefully that would be, be reproduced in humans. But again, we're now just entering the, the human repromycin uh, fertility trial. So we'll know more, hopefully in a year or two, we'll know a lot more than we do now. Again, there's great potential, but in other animals, it's shown um, that possibility.
1: And what about for women, uh, for example, who have completed their families, but they are in perimenopause, would there be potential benefits to them uh, trying something like this to actually delay uh, menopause? And some of the, because obviously when we look at menopause, it brings with it potential adversities in terms of health, like increased inflammation, increased stress, you know, um, bone density issues um sometimes blood sugar regulation if people and obviously we'll talk about the lifestyle measures but do you think that there would be any benefit to women deliberately trying to delay menopause in terms of aging
0: using rapamycin or just using anything Uh, i think
1: um i think in general um kind of leading out from rapamycin but also how rapamycin might help with that would there be a benefit to women in doing that
0: oh definitely i mean definitely that's again that that's where a lot of research is going in terms of optimizing how long women can have optimal hormone production i mean women need estrogen women need progesterone for new for muscle building brain health cognition energy um all and more in terms of the benefits in terms of anything from hair, or skin, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. So um, it is something that all the things that we're using now to potentially maximize women's health and, and and increase their ability to have a normal menstrual cycle and normal female hormones as long as possible is something that I would definitely recommend for most women in conjunction to whatever, again, we're discussing with their healthcare provider, but again, things like we... Um, I already mentioned in terms of mitochondrial health, dealing with autophagy, dealing with inflammation, and then maximizing hormones are all going to be big components of how women can uh, prolong normal mental health. And that's now corresponding with the, our ability to do deeper dives lab work-wise, inflammation-wise, and potentially into even autophagy and things like that. So I think it's, it's in the next couple of years, it's going to be a lot more prominent. And the last thing I'll say is that the problem was that, and it's been around for a while now is that a lot of studies weren't done on females because they couldn't figure a way around a way of doing going around women have hormone cycles and they're not set like men are but now again there's a bunch of money being poured in a lot of studies going that gives a lot more a deeper dive into that
1: Detoxification is so important now more than ever with the number of toxins we are exposed to daily in our food, water, personal care products and environment. No matter how careful we are, it's impossible to totally get away from the chemicals. And we also have to think about detoxifying the toxins we produce through cellular respiration and clearing excess hormones like oestrogen. Our skin is one of the key ways we detoxify, and that's why I love to include sauna as part of my weekly routine. But going to a facility with a sauna can be time-consuming, and investing in one yourself has been expensive in the past. That's why I love Bond Charges Sauna Blanket. It has so many benefits from raising your heart rate to that of physical exercise, so you burn calories whilst you relax. You can burn up to 600 calories in just one session. The sweating helps flush out heavy metals and other toxins, and the infrared light, which heats the body directly rather than the air around you, meaning you get the same benefits at a lower heat. Boncharge's Sauna Blanket is easy to set up, taking less than a minute. It heats up rapidly and you can enjoy a session for 30 to 40 minutes whilst relaxing, reading, watching TV or even meditating. So you can truly stack your hacks. Boncharge's Sauna Blanket is also low EMF compared to other brands on the market and it's the quickest on the market to heat up. So it's an easy thing to fit in. When I'm not working out in the morning, you'll find me meditating in my Bond Charge sauna blanket with their red light therapy mask on my face, boosting collagen while I relax. And BonCharge are giving listeners of this podcast 20% off their sauna blankets, red light therapy devices, and other wellness products. BonCharge ship worldwide in rapid time with free shipping on every sauna blanket and 12 months warranty. Simply go to bondcharge.com forward slash Angela and enter code Angela20 at checkout. That's B-O-N-C-H-A-R-G-E dot com forward slash A-N-G-E-L-A and use code ANGELA20 to save yourself 20%. What would you say then? I know a lot of uh, listeners um, of, of this podcast are kind of in their 40s. They're looking at optimizing health span alongside longevity. What are some of the key things that you think are important for a woman to be thinking about?
0: Sure. I mean, the, the key thing I tell everybody, is it's the core four, no matter what, sleep, exercise, diet, stress. I mean, the main things we now know, especially, I mean, sleep and exercise are the, are the big two. Maintain that normal circadian rhythm. We know there's effect on the immune system, effect on the hormone system if you don't have a good circadian rhythm. And as well as we know, sleep is when you recycle your hormones and, and increase your numbers of the hormones that you need. Um, And then we, again, every day I think there's a new study that shows how important exercise is for maintaining hormones and health and bone strength and to limit sarcopenia, which is the breakdown of muscle, especially as females get older, but men as well. Um, Those are the big two. Um, And then the other pieces are kind of beyond that. It's optimizing hormones, uh, making sure that you're discussing things with your doctor and getting a, getting it tested and getting evaluated. I'm not sure how controversial the statement will be on this, uh, try to avoid going any type of birth control if humanly possible because it does deplete your hormone levels. Um, and then there's, again, the other, quick, other quick things um, that we always know. I mean, gut health is still obviously important in terms of maintaining um, gut balance. We know the gut-brain axis that there's the issues with the gut. We're knowing more and more of the microbiome and butyrate and things like that that are going to affect the brain as you get older. Uh, and then probably the other big one is mitochondrial health. Um, which has become a really big push for me and other people out there. That I mean, again, I think a study comes out every day linking my, uh, problems with the mitochondria health to pretty much every illness out there at this point. Um, and we know there's about five or six main processes that go on with the mitochondria that are going to affect health in general and also uh, in terms of specific in terms of females specifically. Um, and, and it's working on from different aspects from everything from doing red light to uh something called a peptide called C to a product we discussed before uh urolysinator mitopure, which induces mitophagy to dealing with oxidative stress which is a helping your body control what are called free radicals so those are probably the core ones i mean i could probably go to, to 10 more things that are out there but those are kind of the big ones that i, I stress with my patients and I, there's some new growing research behind
1: so if we look at that obviously the the let's assume that people are working on those pillars in terms of like managing their stress, getting the right exercise, the right sleep, and the right nutrition. Um, You mentioned quite a few things there that I want to pick up on. First of all, in terms of mitochondrial health, and I think this is a big issue, uh, it massively affects energy levels as well. And I think that if you look at, and this would uh, correlate with my own experience, if you look at women in their 40s, I think that as a decade, it's an extraordinarily busy decade for most women. Um, They tend to often be raising families. If they've had children, and they're pretty advanced in terms of their career so the demands on them in terms of leadership positions and things they've built that up can be quite high if they're still working often they're having to couple into that mix maybe they've got aging parents they're looking after i think they are being pulled in multiple different directions so i think that the energy demands are very high um and then they have this hormonal disruption that's taking place uh, a little bit like when puberty happens right we're sort of exiting out a little bit the other end um mitochondrial health you said that there are five to six main processes in terms of uh, enhancing the health of mitochondria could you elaborate a bit more on what those are
0: sure um so the one thing i mentioned was yeah definitely um the body's uh, issues with mitophagy which is the same as autophagy just for the mitochondria where the body is able to recycle replenish and replace uh damaged mitochondria um the second one would be um the one that most people you mentioned energy is the electron transport chain, which is the most the body's ability to produce their energy for people who are old enough to remember pac it's like you're producing ATP, which is like your little power pellets, or you're plugging into your socket. Um, there are so many things now that can be used to um optimize that cycle, everything from things like red light therapy, which everybody can do too, which works like on cytochrome oxidase. Uh, you can use things like um, a product called, again, matsi I keep bringing it up and I'll probably bring it up again another couple of times. Matzi um, or another peptide pep- pep called SS31, um, we're using um, a product called Methylene Blue, which works on boosting ATP and again on cytochrome oxidase. Um, so a lot of different, and people know NED or even think simple things like magnesium or CoQ10, all those different things can be used to amplify energy and mitochondrial health um, again, inflammation, inflammation is everywhere. We want to do what we can to decrease inflammation. Um, I mentioned oxidative stress, which is the body. your body, No matter what it does, it's going to create a, like anything else. It's going to create a few sparks or a little bit of dust. The body is good at getting rid of that. It's when your body, you are producing too many, too much dust or too many sparks that your body can't keep up and that those will create damage. So that's where the, the use of, of antioxidants come in. Um, and there's tons of antioxidants out there, NAC, glutathione, a new one that's kind of become, it's known for sleep, but now melatonin has really become a very popular antioxidant because of its ability to, um, because of the fact that they're really good antioxidant, but it has so many other benefits as well. Um, but you don't want to use antioxidants all the time. We know you kind of usually want to, um, kind of do it occasionally, do it as a cycle, not do it in perpetuity. Um, I mean, there's probably more than five. I mean, the main other ones we look at are, again, depletion of any chemicals like anything else. If you're just, if your estrogen is low, you want to fix it. If there's a patient who's low in magnesium or any NAD, like I mentioned before, those are things that want to be replaced. And then there's really small ones that nerds like me love digging into. There's called fission and fusion, which those chemistry people know is either the breaking apart of the binding of the mitochondria, which actually will affect the way the mitochondria works and 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 functions, and what's called mitochondria with mitochondria, what's called mitochondrial biogenesis, which is the growing of more mitochondria. Exercise is the easiest one to do. Actually, things like dry brushing and things like that actually may augment that. Um, cold people do cold plunges um, also can induce mitochondrial. Easy for me to say mitochondrial biogenesis, and then the new one that people may be hearing about soon is what's called endoplasmic reticular stress which is the body's ability to, the, the mitochondria's ability to make proteins and regulate proteins. And again, it's like any any other process, your body normally has the ability to get rid of the bad ones. Like if you have a bad, whatever bad fruit that you're making you get rid of it, but if, when the body can't keep up with the bad ones and then the bad ones take over, um, then you're in trouble. And that we're seeing now with conditions like diabetes potentially we're seeing a lot now for Alzheimer's, Um, And they're thinking something actually an antibiotic called Zithromax may help that. And a couple of things like actually rapamycin may have an issue there, uh, a benefit there, too. So there's a lot of things that we can do.
1: Something you picked up on there, you were talking about dry brushing for the health of the mitochondria. I've always associated that with detoxification and kind of enhancing lymphatic flow.
0: People who do things like wash or dry brushing, there's been a couple of studies that have shown that vigorous action may increase some mitochondrial biogenesis it's not anywhere close to we're doing things like sauna or cold or exercise is going to do it's just something that anybody, anybody who says they can't do something if you can't do any dry brushing or exercise then we have then then we're in trouble here so that's kind of why i brought it up but it's yeah. on the lower end of in terms of benefit
1: we want to stimulate regardless right um tracking back now methylene blue and red light therapy What's the best way to utilize those two things together? Is there a particular timing? What would you recommend?
0: Together, I mean, together is obviously the the perfect timing. I tell people to do it in the morning just because it can be very stimulatory. So obviously we don't want to affect sleep. Um, In terms of how to do it, it depends. I like doing a red light that has a mix of red and near-infrared. Um, you do want 810, which is near-infrared, to really work on the, the cytochrome oxalate. That's been studied more than red, the red spectrums. Um, methylene blue, I get asked all the time, what's the best way to do it? Um, in the United States, I mean, you can have access to IVs. And I find it sometimes easier for people to get the doses they need through IV. I'm not sure how uh, the prevalence of that throughout the... I know I have, i have actually have several patients throughout in Europe, and they can't, have no access to it. Or it's very hard for them to find um that you can get the oral medication um the, with methylene blue in general you want to make sure if you're on any type of psychiatric medicine you discuss with that provider if you should be on methylene blue because they can have some poor interactions um but again i recommend finding that dose that works to you i'm actually very sensitive to it so i do low dose i have a colleague who is the opposite and loves only feels it when he does mega doses of it so something you have to figure out what fits but the goal is usually find that start low dose um, I mean, I, the most of the pills are out there are 4, eight, twelve 12 milligrams, um, and then do that with the near-infrared light optimally either at the same time. That's how we do it in the, in the office or pretty close together. Um, but again, with the methylene blue, you definitely want to talk to your healthcare provider if, um, if you're on certain medications, but it, so- the benefits are, are amplified.
1: So this would be an example. Someone who has a red light therapy device at home. They would have uh, like, for example, a sublingual trochee that they mm-hmm. break off a quarter, put it in their mouth as they're in front of. So they're kind of absorbing that as they're in front of the red light or immediately before, what would you recommend?
0: In a perfect world before.
1: Okay. How long before?
0: Um, I mean, the half light I've heard it different things. I mean, if i talked, I've talked to a lot of the experts on it. They'll say anywhere to 30 to 60 minutes. Um, I know there's a couple of studies that are going on now that are kind of looking at that, but that's, that's a good estimate. So I mean, for some, with, Sorry, go on. Nah, continue.
1: Um, so for someone that has obviously like, for example, myself at home, I have a red light therapy device and then I have uh, an impulse uh, infrared sauna by Sunlighten, which does everything except for the red light. Um, but that's doing the far, the mid and the near. Um, presumably you could actually just dose up on methylene blue. Would there be any downside to doing that free sauna
0: it's not going to be as strong. We know the song, infrared saunas are not usually have the, the power that some of the red lights have at home, depending how you're doing it. If you're doing either a panel or, I mean, there's a lot of wraps and blankets out there now. Um, the other component all this is depends on the quality, like some lines of quality sauna. We now know that there's some saunas because of the the wood they're made out of or there's EMF leakage or how they're built that it actually may be detrimental I would prefer you do it with the red light panel or wrap as opposed to the sauna, but that's what you have. That's going to give you more benefits than nothing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I have both. That's interesting. Um, okay. You mentioned a few other things there. Um, you mentioned a couple of times Montsi. Can we talk about that and the benefits?
0: Sure. Yeah. So Montsi is a, is a, what's called the mitochondrial peptide, There's three out there, um, Matse, SS31, and Umanin that work on reading frames with or parts of DNA within the mitochondria itself, which are now initially we just thought to be great for aging and mitochondrial health, but have all now been linked to having other benefits. Uh, Matse does a lot of things. And again, we know that it works on um, AMPK, which is again an energy. chemical hormone in the, in the body itself. So it has great energy benefits. It also helped similarly AMPK has become what's called an exercise mimetic, meaning that it can almost, it can stimulate, it simulates exercise. Um, so you, it's like kind of like getting a workout without doing it. Obviously pay, my, a lot of my patients, when they do workouts, will take it before and they say their workouts are better because it's also anti-inflammatory um, as well. Um, it also works on it um, by working, it also is makes you more insulin sensitive, which is really helpful. Um, it also, because it works on APK, works on an enzyme called PGC one alpha, which again, which induces mitochondrial biogenesis, which we talked about before, the importance there. Now these other studies are now showing that it um because of the way it works and decreasing inflammation may help with cognition, may have a link to helping patients with Alzheimer's disease. Um, and then also, a couple of studies showing because of the way it works and muscle building can help women with sarcopenia and osteoporosis, which kind of leads back to some the other conversations I would think that women can take as they, uh, as they age. It's one of the ones I definitely recommend as part of my anti osteoporosis, especially uh, anti osteoporosis program, especially women who already have, ne- have poor looking DEXA scans or low estrogen because they were prematurely menopausal or so on.
1: Okay, interesting. Uh, you mentioned another couple there. It was SS thirty one, and there was one other. Umanin. Umanin, can you tell us a bit about those two and how they work?
0: Sure. SS thirty one is um, it was founded by two scientists. Um, again, founded in terms of the mitochondrial uh, DNA. Um, it la- it hangs out on the inner membrane of the mitochondria. It initially was just found to be um, a really good an- antioxidant. Um, and that's kind of where it was initially uh, used for. Um, and now we're finding that it has other um, capabilities. We're now using it that it may, because it's anti-inflammatory component um, can be very useful in terms of, um using it as injections for tendinopathy. Um, or tendonitis. Uh, we're also using it now. A couple studies just came out that it may help in terms of patients with um, Alzheimer's disease because of the ability to be, again, for the same reasons. So that's done through self And in- Both these are both those are self-injections. Umanin, um, it's kind of like the, uh, it's kind of the forgotten brother there. It's not as easily available. Um, Umanin, sometimes they feel couples really well with MOTC. Um, as a, as a, as a combo. Um, again, same idea, it works on the mitochondrial DNA. Um, it's been linked mostly to, um, again, osteoporosis and muscle building. It also, there's a couple small studies that link it potentially with infertility and PCOS. Um, it's not been as evaluated again. It's kind of not being as evaluated as the other two are right now. Right now of all three of those, SS31 um, has, um many more studies the other new thing that we're seeing with ss31 is that it's really been shown to help improve heart function um patients with heart failure which is where the heart just can't produce anymore and the lungs become filled with fluid um it it can help there as well um so it's it's that's the one that most people are going to be hearing about matzi has also been pretty out there for a while now
1: are these um, sort of available easily in the US? I know here in the UK, if people wanted to get hold of peptides, it would be that they were only for animal studies and not for human use.
0: US, they're available. Um, the UK, and I know in UK, no mm. um, peptides are very hard to find. Um, I, certain, there's very few countries I know. The far um, and closer to Asia, they're more available. I've heard Germany they're available. I know in Australia they're not available. I think again it really depends on the country. I think Germany they're available. They're much more open to the for the, the science stuff. It's very all over the place. Um, I, so uh, that's what I know. I know. I've had patients who come here on trips will will get a vial when they went because it's legal here versus where they're coming from. It's 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 unfortunate. I think now there's a lot more data behind them. Sooner than later, hopefully they'll become much more mainstream where everybody can get them.
1: Are there any uh, downsides to the ones that you're mentioning there? Any risks that people should be aware of?
0: I mean, right, like any medicine, um, especially, I mean, this early, we still don't know all the side effects to it. And in this case, we are working on the mitochondria. There are some good studies for the first two for MOTC and SS31. Um, it's something that with both of them, we, I cycle, it's meaning that we do, we're doing them for a period maybe three or four months at a time. It's not something like a vitamin C where you're taking it forever or vitamin D, whatever example you want to give there. Um, and also I do have people that for some reason that's of all the injections or pills that I get recommend to patients, they can be, they can have a, not a hive, but they can have like an itching reaction to it. It's the way that the supplement, the medicine is as well as the way it's made that I have a lot of people have to stop it because they have these hives or welts on them that they get from nothing else. So that's probably the biggest side effect I've seen actually is that patients just can't tolerate the injections, even if I go to really small doses. And at that point, it's not worth because they're pretty expensive. So if they're not, if it's not giving you great benefit, there's no point in doing it. But that happens about 20% of the time, maybe. That, probably less than that probably 10 to 15 percent, but otherwise not really
1: and are these ones only by injection i know for example with bpc157 for example you can take it orally are any of these available orally
0: not yet we're not yet not, we're not close to that i don't think right now
1: I don't know about you, but while I'm probably not that interested in living something crazy like 160, I do want to live the healthiest life possible so that I can enjoy it to the max. I recently tested my biological age with Glycan Age, who have over 200 published clinical studies on how glycans affect your biological age from an inflammation perspective. And my results showed a biological age of 20. 47, so I was pretty happy with that. Now, if you'd like to learn more about how to optimize your health and lifestyle so that you can live younger, longer and achieve a state of high performance, then you may be interested in my biosyncing 90-day blueprint. I'll be opening up limited spots soon, so to express your interest and get on the waitlist, head over to AngelaFoster.me forward slash biosyncing. That's AngelaFoster.me forward slash biosyncing, and I'll put a link in the show notes below this episode. Okay, what about in terms of facial peptides? So kind of colloquially, we see uh, like skincare brands have been using them for a long time, they say there's peptides in them. Now there's companies that are offering things like more concentrated doses of things like GHK copper. Um, What would be the key peptides to be looking at from an anti aging perspective in terms of skincare?
0: I mean, there's two groups. I mean, you mentioned the big one. I mean, GHK by far is the best in terms of skincare by itself. Um, the other ones that we tend to use is a lot of time is uh, BPC, which is anti-inflammatory and can help boost collagen. Um, then you have uh, CJC, which is a growth hormone booster, which is put in very small doses and some helps to make your skin look younger. Um, again, it's something to use really on a, on a as-needed basis. Um, then we have the Botox, what are called like the Botox peptides, which are lufazol and origiline, which stimulate that type of reaction. It's not going to be anti-aging per se. It's more cosmetic appearance. Um, and then you have, again, there's a couple companies out there. I'm not sure if you want to be using brands or not, um, that has made their own proprietary peptide that's been shown to help with all the damage to the, the mitochondria actually, and is getting more and more, uh penetration into the market as well which has had pretty good success so now a lot of these companies are all making their own proprietary peptides that are just theirs and that everybody else can't use um that's kind of become the new and vogue one so there's a a bunch out there this is stuff like
1: sort of one skin is it
0: exactly i'm referring to one skin out there one skin is the right one who's making their own which i don't
1: think is available yet in the uk
0: oh it's not okay no it's not because i'm looking
1: at trying it but i can yeah
0: yeah, so they've had pretty good success so far.
1: Okay. Um, is there any um, contraindications to utilizing any of those peptides alongside something like retinol, for example?
0: Um, not really. Again, I when, not in specifically at all. I mean, again, it comes down to, like, I tell my, any of my patients when they're using stuff on their face, you want to try one new thing at a time, just if you have a problem, you know, but otherwise they work differently. I've had no patients have any issues with it. So now
1: and with the GHK copper, I've read that um, when you're utilizing that on the skin, it's not just localized to the skin. The uh, effects can be systemic as well.
0: Um, It depends on the dose. A lot of times the dose is not what we're using for injection. So you'll get some. I mean, it's but GHK does have brain benefits to it. So you're probably getting that because it's pretty close in proximity are you going to get the same anti-inflammatory effects throughout your body that you would if you were self-injecting GHK? Probably not, but I, you get some.
1: Yeah. What are and, the benefits for the brain?
0: Um, because the anti- Mostly because of the anti-inflammatory effects of GHK. Uh, it helps with usually inflammation of the brain. They have higher doses. Some people use it as what we call a nootropic because um, of the way it works. It, some people find that their cognition is better there's no data that I've seen in terms of explains it beyond what I just said, but some people find that they really feel really clear, like they took an Adderall or something, but that's um, what we've more seen. More anecdotal. Exactly.
1: Um, yeah. Okay. And interestingly, like while we move on to the brain, there's more and more that I'm seeing coming out. Um, Dr. Rhonda Patrick's talking about it quite a lot uh, recently in terms of people who have carriers of APOE4 um, and the risk of Alzheimer's disease um i have one copy of that is something that i'm kind of following quite closely um i know that alcohol for example even very moderate alcohol consumption may be more risky for someone with apoe4 um when we look at people who have tested their genetics they're aware that they carry that that gene um menopause can sometimes be a triggering event for this um what would you say to to women who and men who who carry that gene? I think it just seems to the risk seem to be higher in women. Things that they should focus on from a lifestyle perspective. Obviously, I know we've talked about exercise, we've talked about sleep. They're hugely important for things like protecting against dementia. Is there anything else that you would add on any of these biohacks or things that you think uh, are important?
0: Yeah, I mean, a lot of the, a lot of things we already discussed are kind of overlapping here. Again, is that Um, We know patients who are insulin resistant or there's an increased risk of Alzheimer's. So again, it could be anything from fasting to something like a berberine to a MOTC, which I mentioned, very helpful. Um, We talked, we know, again, inflammation, same thing. Um, You can use everything from something like a curcumin. which has some also some by itself has some potential benefits with Alzheimer's to like a BPC-157 Um, as well. Um, And other things that we know now that are really close to being ready for prime time or not, I mentioned red light, but now there's the intranasal and or the cranial red light therapies, which may have much more benefit because it's much more localized exposure. Um, A lot of these work in different ways. Some have mixed wavelengths. some have only one That's still kind of in the, which one's better? We don't know for sure yet. Um, So that's something that is um, very important. Hyperbaric therapy. We're going to talk about the really more high-end hyperbaric, biohacking side has really good studies with brain issues, including Alzheimer's. Um, Those are the, I mean, again, there's a lot of other things that we're using. I mean, something like um, ketosis or exogenous ketones. Um, have been shown to help, But I mean I could go on. I mean, again, I mentioned mitophagy and uh A before. Mm-hmm. That is now some interesting studies. A, again, this is a luckily, the space has exploded in the last year mm-hmm. to eight months in terms of what's out there. Spermidine um, also may have some benefits there as well. So there's this, the goal. What I when I tell my patients who are either just trying to be protective or unfortunately have a history of it, or are in the early stages of it, is you want to kind of pick. From every bucket. It shouldn't just be all about inflammation. It's not all about lifestyle. You want to do something, if anything you can do to work on your epigenetics is going to be helpful. And if you do mitochondrial and all those different things, that's going to give you a much better likelihood of getting there as opposed to just trying to focus everything on, okay, I'm going to just eat really healthy, which I hear some people do, which is great, but it's not going to potentially get you to your end goal.
1: Mm. Yeah, for sure. That's very helpful. Um, I'd like to clear up something with you because I've heard. Different experts talk about this in different ways in terms of red light therapy. Some research seems to show very positive impacts on um, eye health and improving that. And then other manufacturers of red light devices are being very cautious and telling people to put goggles on when they're wearing them. Where do you come out on that?
0: Um, It depends. I mean, honestly, part of it depends on the device. And I mean, um, in terms of a panel or a bed, I am probably more on the, I would wear the goggle part to it, to be honest. Um, if you're doing something like an intracranial, a cranial or intranasal, I'm more, obviously more of, I think there are some benefits to it. Um, I think the the jury is unfortunately still out in terms of direct exposure and to me, that's not something I'm willing to, I'm, I'm aggressive in certain things, but in terms of my vision, that's not one of them. I, uh, So I am more cautious, but I don't think, again, I used to kind of hit, um, there's no great answer right now. And mm-hmm. I think again, with the vision, it's not worth the risk. Cause I think the other th- there's so many other things out there that can help to, met- to take a chance in terms of red light therapy, which I don't think it's a home run. Um, I wouldn't take that chance. That's my opinion today. A year from now, I may totally change once some other stuff comes out. Um, I respect the researchers who are looking at this every day, looking at this every day, but I'm still on the conservative side.
1: Yeah, thank you. Um, Mitopure, you're a listener. Eh? Can we talk about, or is, I can never pronounce it, can I <laughs> Is uh, it you're a listener? Eh? We were having this conversation offline before.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Um, can we talk about the benefits to it?
0: Sure. Um, a lot of different benefits to it. It's derived from the microbiome, the gut. I think everything in the world seems to somehow go back to the microbiome at this point. Um, initially, it became um, a benefit because it was anti inflammatory and it was helping athletes um, put on muscle and improve athletic performance. Um, it was being studied here on a professional basketball team in the US. Um, and they said, wow, this is really, the benefit the studies were even more better than they were better than they thought they would be. And now as the research has just come out more and more, um, as you're using it and finding out how important mitophagy is in a lot of other um, disease processes, um, it's now being used as something for osteoarthritis. Um, it's something that's being used again for Alzheimer's. Um, it helps heal the gut lining. Um, there's some studies that have shown that as well. Um, it's now potentially going to go linking back to initial part of the conversation with fertility. So it's something that's very easy to take. It's two pills a day, um, depending on the, where you're getting it from. Um, there are some patterns out there as well um, that are um, pretty strong. It's still unfortunately not as out there as it should be just because of the cost and to get really pure your A is pretty difficult at this point. Um, but the companies that do make it do a really good job with it. And it, it's something that has I recommend to pretty much all my patients at this point, just because of the, the lack of side effects and the numerous benefits that are out there right now. Mm-hmm.
1: Great to know. Um, what about NAD? Uh, this is an area there are quite a few companies that produce supplements that enhance NAD um, with other kind of sirtuin enhancers alongside. Um, There seems to be controversy over things like NMN, really, I think partly due to the dose, because when we look at Dr. David Sinclair, for example, the amount he was taking isn't really available in a lot of these supplements, for example. What would you advise uh, in terms of optimizing for NAD?
0: That's a rabbit hole. That is especially (laughs) US becoming, I don't think, I think it's mostly here to go to anywhere else in the US, Um, partially because of David Sinclair, NMN is banned in the US. So oh, is be- it? Yeah, it's going to become banned in the U.S. Oh, I didn't um, know that. It's a proprietary pharmaceutical product that's supposedly be coming out or being in, in last stage of testing. So that supersedes any of the supplements. I mean, you can still get it a little bit. So that really kind of in the U.S. has kind of narrowed the conversation. Um, so most everybody who is taking NAD is taking uh, NR instead of the NMN versions of it.
1: Why is it um, being banned? Sorry.
0: Because... The way our government works in the health department or the pharmacist, the, the drug department is if there's a, since there's going to be a prescription version of something, there okay. cannot be a supplement version, which is not controlled since the prescription version will be, uh, will be regulated. Okay. Um, and there's also some financial stuff, patent stuff. It's a, a lot of different combination of things there. It's gotten pretty ugly. Um, But yeah, so for our patients, it's an um, I tend to push a dose of op if possible, um, I think it's um NED has initially was like the super drug. I don't think it's a super supplement that fixes everything. We know the link to two may be questionable at this point. Mm. It's not it's not the anti-aging fat and of youth product, but it does have some benefit. Um again, it was a study showed that it does help potentially help a, a part of the whole co- cocktail that may help with Alzheimer's disease. It definitely helps with potentially muscle growth it can help with cognition in general. So it's something that should be part of your supplement cocktail. I believe, again, like you mentioned, if you are going to do NAD, you do want to take boosters, things like either um, B6 or apigenin or TMG, you do want to take that as part of your cocktail. Um, A lot of patients that we do when they're doing their mitochondrial booster portion, we'll do that with them. Um, and a lot of it, I mean, so we do have patients who are still doing the IV, which allows you to achieve a much higher dose of NAD. The studies on the IV are very, very sparse at this point. It's more just totally anecdotal at this point in terms of is IV better and more bioavailable than NR, which probably is the m- most studies out there now. Um, so it's part of it's definitely part of the cocktail. I definitely believe in it. And if NMN was still available, I probably would lean a little bit closer more to NR at this point. Um, I do believe in the higher doses of both to really get the the uh, real benefit of it. And you should take it with boosters.
1: With um the NR, when you're talking about higher doses, what kind of dose?
0: 500, some people go even higher than Milligrams? That. Yes.
1: Okay. And uh, with NMN, what dose? I know you, you can't use that much in the US. Yeah, now I, I I'm trying
0: to think about it. You know, I mean, I pushed it. I mean, I, there are people taking 250, 500. Some people are taking up to 1,000. I mean, there's products that are based in Europe that are that high that people are still able to get now. We'll see what happens in the over the course of the year here. Um, there's a couple of really good products in Europe that are actually probably better than, the, than what's made in the US. Um, a Okay. Um
1: and then spermidine as well. Can you talk a little bit about the benefits of spermidine?
0: Sure. I mean, I love spermidine. Um uh, I think it's, again, it's part of my core protocol with most patients, uh, spermidine. It, the only thing I'll say is the downside. Is if you are allergic to gluten, make sure that you talk to your doctor about it before you go on it. Um, but otherwise, I mean, spermidine, the benefits are amazing. If you look at any of the anti-aging, um, the hallmarks of aging would now up to 12, it has actually the most hallmark checks of any product in the world, even more than rapamycin at this point. So it's something that patients, if you're looking to be healthy or anti-aging biohacker, it's something that you definitely want to look into adding to your regime. Um, it's something that does everything from, again, it helps heal the gut lining. There's links to um, heart benefits. It is anti-inflammatory and it helps induce autophagy, which again, is the ability to recycle the cells. Some people are now using spermidine because of that autophagy booster and it's anti-inflammatory profile, in fertility. So everything kind of links up here. Um, uh, I talk about anti-inflammatory. its anti-inflammatory. Uh, it may be very helpful for patients to, after their workout, to help with muscle recovery with another substance called triolose, which is a simple sugar. Um, the list goes on and on and on at this point. One of the reasons that my patients tend to like it, honestly, which is, and I've talked to the owners of a couple of the major companies. The same thing they hear is that it's, it's hair growth.
1: growth. I, know. Hair growth. <laughs> I take I know. it. And <laughs> I was going to say.
0: Eyelashes. It does work. Mm. I, I, you talk. I mean, I, it's a thing I hear the most from patients are those two yeah. things. And, are, they and
1: what was the other one? Eyelashes. Eyelashes. Oh, yes. Yeah, so anything. And filling my- in your eyebrows.
0: Yeah, I've, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah a, eyelashes,
1: it, eyebrows, because that's a common thing as well for women, right? Is you start to get a little bit of patchiness around the eyebrow area, and then it fills it. Like, I, I like Spermidine. What dose are you uh, suggesting Spermidine?
0: Again, if you're, it's something I build up in patients. Um, the studies are anywhere between six and fifteen milligrams a day. So I tend to go. I t- take about ten a day. Okay. Um, it, so it becomes there's only you want to try to once you know you can tolerate it, you try to go higher doses. I know there's some people just can't tolerate a higher dose. Um, I tend to do pills just because to put that much powder in a liquid is tough. Um, um, but that's something that I, I again, I recommend I cycle it probably twice a year, I don't do it in perpetuity continuously, but I, I love spermidine.
1: You cycle it, but so for what period do you cycle it for?
0: I tend to try to do it like three months to four months on, a couple months off. I mean, not, some people say you can cycle it. Some people say you can take it continuously. I don't think there's going to be an issue. They just, the question is how much do you want to keep inducing autophagy continuously that strongly? We don't know for sure yet. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple studies that you do want to kind of not be in that, increasing it all the time. Why? Well, it's the same reason why people say you should be cycling rapamycin and not doing it in perpetuity. Um, I'm getting closer and closer, probably doing it all the time. Um, I found a product that has it like almost like a multivitamin with a high dose in there. So it makes it easier for me to take. Again, I'm a bad pill taker. I'll take three or four things. I don't want to take 21 pills and three shots a day. It's just not in my schedule. Hmm. Um, So but sperm, is definitely like top five for me.
1: Any benefits then to, obviously they're helping with autophagy to actually taking things like NR, spermidine, uh, pre-workout in the morning in a fasted state, going for a fasted workout, um, and kind of layering them in together.
0: Um, you definitely can. Um, I've, it depends on everybody's individual NR. I haven't loved I've There's studies that, I mean, there's some people say it's great for them. Some people love it and it benefits them. There are some studies that show it may. So it's it's trial and error. Spermidine, I have patients who use it for recovery. Otherwise, I tend to use, tell patients to do spermidine at night because it does really help with deep sleep and people see that if who monitor their sleep scores. Um, I tend to be, again, pre-workout. I usually recommend other things over that um but because again it comes down to how many things you can do at one time i could make an argument it's burning because of the recovery is great i and they can definitely do it i get my core still is like a nitric oxide creatine protein those are the obviously the core parts there are some people who do oxytocin before workout there's some people who are doing a lot of different things to, to a lot of peptides a lot of people are doing their bbc or their tb500 or their CDC post workout, so that's a lot of stuff to add in there. The Eurolysin A they're using post workout, so it's probably down the list a little bit, but it's definitely things that everybody's different. I have I find I love my BBC workouts. but I like taking it at bedtime. A colleague of mine takes a post workout, and the recovery is incredible. Also depends what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, doing really heavy intense workouts or jiu jitsu. I have couple patients who are really into jiu jitsu. They love it because the anti inflammatory aspect of it. I'm more of a a low like lower weight person I use other things to really to really max max out my workout depends on the situation
1: what about uh NAC uh and taking this around exercise I've I've seen some research suggest you shouldn't be taking that on exercise days
0: I don't love it post like as a, specifically for exercise specifically because it's an antioxidant there's been data that shows antioxidants post can de- decrease your workouts and mm. the benefits of it so it's not my, it's not really one of the go-tos I would recommend to my patients. Um, do you
1: avoid it on workout days entirely and take it on non-workout days or?
0: Um, if, in a perfect world, yes. I mean, again, I'll admit sometimes I just, I do it. I kind of have play of things by ear um, in a perfect world. It depends what you're taking it for. If you're taking, I have patients who are taking it part of a brain protocol or, um the post-covid protocol and that supersedes everything else in terms of just a maintenance protocol in a perfect world if you're doing a heavy workout you should probably try to not take it if possible it's probably the best way i can answer that
1: what about glycine super cheap seems to be very effective in terms of what a part of a kind of longevity stack also seems to really help with sleep with gut health curious as to your thoughts there
0: Glycine is going to be something that everybody will be talking about probably in a year or two. It's it, you hit everything on the head there. It has a lot of great. I love benefits. It. It, it's cheap. It does all the core stuff that you need to do. Very, I've, I've never had anybody have major side effects. They just came out in terms of that and, and Alzheimer's. So, I mean, if you, it, I would, it's definitely something that everybody should be taking. Mm, I
1: love it. Um, okay, BPC 157. Let's talk about that because this is one I think lots of people, even if they aren't meant to be getting hold of it or getting hold of it and utilizing it. Uh, I've seen it uh, in an oral preparation. In fact, I took it in an oral preparation myself uh, from an authorized distributor here in Europe. And uh, it was incredibly effective orally for repairing a rotator cuff injury that I couldn't heal. And it was extraordinarily fast uh, i was dropping it under the tongue um can you talk about i so said before we talk about how to take it and how to utilize it it seems to be good for so many things it seems to be good for repairing it seems to be good for gut health can we talk about the multitude of benefits like how many things does this peptide work for
0: a lot yeah like you said it definitely works a lot um i would just say it it seems to be very, the oral preparation, I get this question probably more than anything else. It depends on who you're getting it from. It depends on your body. I've, it also depends on your gut health. It depends, on it if it's droppers or pills. Um, I've had patients who get the pills and they love it. And I've had patients take the pills and do nothing. They start doing the shots or the IVs and they feel like a new person. So it's kind of dependent there, but in terms of what it does, it, I mean, it it's, does a lot of things. Like you said, I mean, it started as a gut health and ulcer um, healing medication, then it starts spreading in terms of the body's ability to heal muscles and joints, um, and then it spread into um, using it for cognition. We know that it is a um, uh, maybe some a low-grade antidepressant. It helps regulate uh, norepinephrine and dopamine a little bit, so it does it, um, what else? I mean, we use it now for in skin preparation. So it has a very a lot of lot of great benefits to it. Um, we use it in some cases in heart and lung inflammation. Um, that's kind of depends on where you are. tb uh tb taken over that a little bit, but it's helpful there as well. Um, so it just does a like you said, it has a lot of really impressive benefits to it. Um and it's something that people should definitely look into if they can get, have access to it.
1: And when injecting it, does it go into the area you're trying to heal directly? Uh, there seems to be some models around like doing it in a triangle form. What's the best way to utilize that?
0: See, I I've had too many horror stories from patients who've been injecting in the area um, for a variety of different reasons. Um, personally, I mean, they don't know the anatomy and they hit put in in the wrong area or they hit a nerve or vein. So I, I and then I don't like that. I also don't like it. I, I, even if it's me doing it, I don't recommend injecting in the area every day because you wouldn't get a flu shot every day. It's just too much. It's too much fluid in a small space. But I have patients do under my direction is I had them maybe doing two or three times a week in that area. It depends how big an area you're talking about. We're talking about a shoulder or a knee. They're injecting pretty close to the area. If it's like a finger or something smaller, we're talking maybe twice a week, but again, much higher up. I don't have people injecting their hands or feet ever. I've had patients, but I've had too many issues with it. I don't recommend local on their own. Um, again, if it works great for you, but I, I've had I, I have I always had multiple patients in the practice who so I have to kind of fix that after they did it. Um, I'm doing it abdominally. I've had very few people not have benefit doing it abdominally. If they're doing the injections or if the orals are working for them, doing it injection every day to me is going to more likely cause more damage than benefit to it. Um, that's my perspective. I don't recommend it on their own ever. Should it
1: be done in cycles as well?
0: I believe it should be done in cycles. Um, I don't do it for more than three or four months at a time with patients because either A, a it's going to probably maximize the benefit. B, there's the presumed risk out there that it somehow because of the way it works, it may increase the risk of cancer. There's no definitive study that shows that yet. It's, a, it's an assumption out there. If you don't need something, and there's especially now there's 20 other peptides, 10 other things I can use for the same benefit. We'll come back to it in, in six months from now. Then that's what I do. I don't. I don't have people doing it continuously. I've gotten in debates, in conferences, to chat rooms about it. Nobody can show me data either that why they shouldn't be cycled, and I very few people after the first three or four months, notice these dramatic improvements after usually. And again, there's a h- hundred things I can replace it with. So I, I cycle it.
1: You cycle it. Um, you mentioned putting it in the abdominal area and most people get a benefit. Is that a systemic benefit in addition to a gut health benefit?
0: Yeah, it's mostly, it's how it's like, it's, uh, we're using it as a systemic benefit. Systemic. Um, yeah, I mean, gut-wise, I mean, there's the people debate, should it be oral, should it be injectable? Again, some part of it depends on how the pill is made, how how damages their gut. But I mean, I've again, I've had a lot of patients where they just do an interabdominal, they get all these benefits. I mean, only time if if somebody's like a like you mentioned a rotator cuff, somebody's a rotator cuff issue. A lot of times they're coming to the office. We're injecting it once or twice a month with the B, with the higher dose BPC, where we know where we're going into and putting it where it needs to be, um, as opposed to just having some person just kind of themselves kind of like a, a semi flu shot area thing where they're they could end up causing more damage,
1: mm-hmm. okay. Um, and TB500 is another one you've mentioned there. Uh, does there need to be a loading phase for that? Or is that a bit of a myth like creatine? Um,
0: I mean, I don't believe in lo- loading doses, um, because I've had people be sensitive to things, so um with any of the peptides, I tend to, unless the patient's already done it, I tend to go medium dose for most things that if I'm doing an injection with it, um, and then just quickly ramping it up, I'll tell, either tell the patient how to do it, or they'll call me in two weeks and say, Hey doc, this is working great. Or, Hey doc, it's not working. And I can just have them increase the dose. That's, what's great with injections that you can really quickly go from 25 units to 30 units. And then that's fine. So I don't really believe in the loading those. I've had patients that a week later, BPC or TB five hundred, say, I feel so much better. So I don't, I don't really buy into that as much. You
1: don't need to. And do they help with things like burning fat? Are there any other benefits?
0: Um, BPC because of the gut health benefits and the anti-inflammatory, we're using a lot of companies are now mixing in their weight loss products. Um, TB four. I mean, again, technically it's anti-inflammatory. I don't really it's not anywhere close to what I would use really for weight loss stuff or burning fat. I um, mean, you could, so no, not as much with the TB4, the TB500. Okay.
1: And lastly, nootropics. You mentioned these, what are your favorite nootropics?
0: Um, one of my favorite nootropics. Uh, I love my favorite, if you can get it is cerebrolysin, which is a European nootropic. It's either in, done as an injection or an IV. Um, I love methylene blue and I love, I'm an exogenous ketone junkie. I feel really good when I do that. Um, I mean, those are the ones that I like. Um, um, I also just something simple like um, um, spermidine actually works really well for me as a a nootropic. Um, And then again, for patients who are looking for, I mean, for other patients, they love methylene blue. They love um, Dihexa, which is a peptide cream, which I love. It's not even an injection. You can do that. Um, What else is really popular? Dihexa. Dihexa. How do you utilize that? Dihexa, um, it works on the angiotensin receptors, which is for blood pressure. Um, But it actually, by doing that, actually has helped patients who have like traumatic brain injury or even Alzheimer's. And patients find that's really helpful. Um, uh, The other one I really like now is something called Prodrome which is a uh, plasmologin substance, which is the part of the lipid layer of your cells. And most patients are, people are, are deficient in them as they get older, like everything else. And I've tried their product, the, the products, the the, pro, the plasmologin products out there. And my cognition has improved pretty quickly with those. There's probably some other out there. There's 20, 30 other ones out there that are really good. Um, it really just depends. Like I, to me, it always depends. You're about memory. You're talking about focus. You just want, do you have the brain fatigue where you die out at three o'clock in the afternoon and whatever. I mean, creatine is great. Caffeine is great. I mean, there's so many, it depends on really what your goals are. And again, like I said, I try to minimize how many things I'm taking my patients are taking. Um, Otherwise they just get like pill fatigue, most of them. And then, then you're kind of back to square one again.
1: So for someone uh, who is not looking at targeting anything in particular, they're just looking at health span and they want to optimize for each of the kind of areas we've discussed. And you want to minimize what would be the top three to five products they might use.
0: Good five. Um, It would be spermidine, urolycine A, Probably BPC 157 at least two twice a year. Um exogenous ketones and probably MOTC or probably, I mean off the top of my head. Um, over the NR. Over NR, definitely. Over and NR. then probably the plasmologen products would be right behind that of the ones that are out there now.
1: Interesting. Amazing. Well. Where can before we link to everything where people can find you, if they want to do a little bit more reading on this area, what would be a good resource that they could look at? Do you have a blog or where would you recommend they go yeah, we'll
0: re- I mean, a lot of it right now is either on like is on my YouTube channel, is probably the place right now. Um, we in the process now of restarting the blog on the website, pollen.com as well. Those are the best two places to check out. YouTube is usually the easiest because I can just put something up in 10 minutes from a video and a lot of this stuff is there. More detailed dives are on the on the website.
1: Amazing. We will uh link to that in the show notes. Uh you are a wealth of information, I think. <laughs> I think you're one of my favorite guests for delivering a huge amount of content and value and information uh in a short space of time. Thank you very much, Dr. Paulvin
0: Oh, great. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. <music>
1: Thank you for listening to today's show and for your interest in health optimization for high performance. If you're new to my podcast, you may be interested to know that you can get a free health score and report complete with personalized recommendations on how to optimize your sleep, nutrition, fitness, and resilience in the top link in the show notes below. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Links to everything we talked about are also in the show notes. And if you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe for more.